Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 0 ballgame. Adley Rutschman has got his first Major League home run. Welcome to the Bowder's Box. My name is Dave Quadrelli. I am joined, as always, by Mike Liu. Mike, we've had some trouble. Lining up our schedules lately, but we're good. we're here today. We're here to talk about the Major League Baseball trade deadline, which has come and gone. We're going to be back on Friday. Friday is our regularly scheduled programming, uh, and it's going to be a very good time. But let's get right into it right away. No nonsense off the top. Let's get into MLB's trade deadline. Mike, I think it's the biggest deal of the day. Justin Verlander and Cash from the Mets. Back to the Houston Astros. Back with Martin Maldonado. I... <laughs> this is just... We, we knew the vet, the, the Mets were going to implode. Like, we saw how they stumbled out of, out of the gate, and they just have it right, right to ship. And we were just all wondering, like, what in the world is Cohen doing with all this cash? What, what's going to happen to Verlander? He's 40 years old. What's going to happen to Scherzer? And we have our answer. He's going back to the Houston Astros. Uh, credit what credit is due. Um, the Mets they get like a decent haul of prospects back. They got uh, they got the Astros like best prospect. It's not saying much considering that the Astros haven't had like a first or second round pick in a hot second, but um, they got a nice prospect haul. But at the same time, the optics of this is so bad. I, I, how much money are they retaining on him? Isn't it something like ninety million or or something in that ballpark? It, it's ab- like they're paying Verlander to pay for the uh, play for the Astros. I think that's pretty much all that really needs to be said when it comes to this deal. Like, what what are the Mets doing? Yeah, yes, yes, you're right. It, yes, it. Okay, but I'll play devil's advocate a little bit because we're talking about Steve Cohen here, right? And Steve Cohen, mm-hmm. you know, he has money and he is not going to be hurting because of this money that he is losing. Oh, but absolutely not. Even even the Scherzer deal where you're getting Luis Aniel Acuna, Ronald Acuna's little brother, you're getting him back in that trade. You are paying a premium price, like quite literally, you are paying a premium price. You had to give up Max Scherzer and you also had to send a boatload of cash over 
to buy three prospects is basically what the Mets did. But I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here because we, we asked, okay, what are they doing? And yes, to some extent, that's true because they have guys like Lindor, they have guys like Alonzo, and I don't think a full blow-up is what's coming for this team. I don't think they can do that, but we heard Scherzer spill the beans after getting traded and say, yeah, you know what, they, they told me they're not going to compete till 2026. And he's Max Scherzer. He can swing his dick around and say that. He's allowed to say that. Nobody's going to say boo. But you don't usually do that. You don't usually spill the beans like that upon joining a new team. But you're Max Scherzer. You're allowed to do that. So Max Scherzer did do that. And he basically revealed that the Mets aren't going to be trying to compete for a World Series until 2026. So yes, to some extent, I get it where you say, okay, what are they doing here? Because they just got a bunch of prospects. But... Credit where credit's due, past ownerships and a lot of ownership groups around Major League Baseball wouldn't have approved the trading of two ace pitchers and giving up money to get rid of them to get premium prospects back, right? Like, like other management groups or, excuse me, other ownership groups and even past Mets ownership groups, if they're going about this deal, Mike, it becomes, okay, take... Scherzer and we'll just take cash back or take Verlander and we'll just take cash back. We'll just, we'll just get the savings. That's all we want. We just want to save money. We want to run it like a business. This business isn't going to make money if it's not in the world series or in the playoffs. So we want to make money by having a lower bottom line. Look at the Oakland athletics. Like remember when that thing came out where it was like best operating budgets and most revenue and the Oakland Athletics were number five or whatever. It's because it's they don't have much of a payroll, right? And a lot of ownership groups around the league want to do that. But that's not what the Mets did. The Mets went out and got prospects that they think are going to make them better in two to three years time. Now, when you go pick up Acuna, he immediately becomes their best, second best prospect in their system. Like, that matters. That that definitely matters. And it's probably going to help them in the long run. That being said, it's kind of they're in that mushy middle where, yeah, I don't think they're going to trade Lindor. And I don't think they're going to trade Alonso. So you, you're going to have to build around those guys. And look, Lindor especially isn't getting any younger. So yes, I, I understand the take of what are they doing here? And I know it's not a great time to be a Mets fan. When is it ever, really? But getting back those prospects, I really like that for the Mets. I really like that they actually had a commitment to at least making some forward-looking moves that aren't just, yeah, we want to save money now and in the future. I absolutely don't mind the return that both of them got. Like, by all means, this is probably one of the best-case scenarios that they could have done considering how much money is on the contracts and they're saddled down with. Um, I, I saw the I saw the Scherzner thing, and I couldn't help but think this. Um uh, this is this is just conspiracy brain talking, but um, what are the chances that they told they told him that purely to get him to waive his no trade clause? Like the there is the, the I, I'm not such saying that the Mets aren't targeting 2025 20, uh, 26 as their competitive window. That seems very feasible with what the return they got, uh, the return that they got. Um, that that looks about right. But what if they just wanted to get Scherz and Verlander off the books? What what if that was the case? They would just tell them anything. They would tell them something that would like clearly not align with what they wanted because they're nearing retirement. They want another World Series, even though even if it's just a piece of metal, um, they uh, it, they would want to 
get out of uh, the Mets organization however way they can. So they, they'd be able to just do it. We, we saw Erod refuse to trade to the Dodgers. So it's some, it's not exactly it's not exactly cut and dry. It's like, oh, we're just sending them out of a losing organization. It's because, I mean, again, they're pay, being paid very handsomely. I can't help but think that Steve Cohen's going to be in on uh, Shohei Otani. He's going to be in on Juan Soto. Again, for for all the talk that they're saying that they're not going to pursue big-name free agents, the allure and temptation um, of these free agents, there is no way that the Mets organization is not going to try and grab some of them. See, that, that that's where I think we have to kind of disagree a little bit because I think when Max Scherzer is asking, are you going to try to compete for 2024? If you're Steve Cohen, why would you go after one of these big free agents? Like, I, I don't think that pushes the Mets over the top. I think it's a flawed roster from the start, and I don't think adding Juan Soto or hell, even adding Shohei Otani, I think that might be a bit of a stretch, but adding one of these big free agents isn't going to help you if you're Steve Cohen, but continuing to stock up on quality prospects that you believe in and bringing those guys up through your system where you still have Pete Alonso at the big league level, you still have Francisco Lindor. Yeah, like I can see 2026. I can see the 2025 offseason being kind of the offseason where they go target big name free agents. I don't think this team's loading up to compete in the NL East again for 2024. I really don't. Like, I don't think they're going to be players for these free agents. I think they were telling the truth when they told Max Scherzer that. Now, fair. And again, like, we won't know until we see it. <laughs> so, yeah. honestly, I'm I'm just here for Lowell Mets. That's really, really all I'm here for with this one. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's quickly quickly talk about Justin Verlander going back to the Houston Astros because I do not want this to get swept under the rug because last year, let's not forget that he won the Cy Young last year at 39 years old with the Astros. 1.75 ERA, absolutely dominant last season. I, I want to ask you this. Do we see Verlander jump back to those kind of numbers now that he's pitching to Maldonado again? Because... Like, let's not forget that it's a rookie catcher in New York that Verlander was pitching to and that Maldonado and Verlander love playing with each other. Like, Verlander absolutely loves pitching to Maldonado. I think I read somewhere that it, that was the first text that Verlander made. I'm of the opinion that he's going to be just absolutely dominant in Houston. I, I don't think it's going to be, um, you know, even close. Like, I think his numbers in Houston are going to be much better than the numbers he put up in New York, which weren't even bad. Like, the numbers he put up in New York no. were fine. They were good numbers. I just think he's going to be even better um, in Houston. The, the thing is with Verlander is that he doesn't pitch like for any other 40-year-old. Like, you see Adam Wainwright getting absolutely blown to shreds now that, like, we knew that he was washed, but this year's really driven that in. Verlander isn't like that. Verlander is still a quality starter in this league with, like, with the ability to pitch, like, gems of games. Um... The New York wasn't able to utilize him to the best of his abilities. Obviously, they're constrained by who they have behind the plate and the team that they have assembled in the field around him. So I, I, I can I can absolutely see it. Like Verlander should be better in Houston, and I, that is disgusting to think about because why does anybody want anything good to happen to the Astros? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's kind of uh, the main thing that you look at is, yeah, Houston just became huge players in the AL West. Damn okay, it. I want to get this off my chest. I want to complain about the Mariners. Um, 
they had one toe in, one toe out uh, of the trade deadline. They weren't sellers and they weren't buyers. And then when asked why they didn't pull the trigger on a Teoscar Hernandez deal, I think it was DePoto, I'm not sure who it was that said it. It was someone in the Mariners organization said that they didn't think the return was going to be worth um, taking away from this team. And I just... I. Like, what? you just watched everybody in the AL West load up. Like, like right now, the Mariners are six games out. Six games out of the first place in the AL West. But they still have to pass the Angels. They still have to pass the Astros. They still have to pass the Rangers. All of those teams made moves and were buyers at the deadline. So, I'm not saying I want to see the Mariners be buyers. That's not what I'm saying. But, if you actually call this a race down the stretch where you want to try and make the playoffs... Don't take away from your team because the the return on the Paul Seawald trade was so underwhelming that I think the Mariners would have been better off just not making that trade as at all. AJ Pollock, yeah. I kind of whatever. Like AJ Pollock wasn't doing anything for them and they get cash back. I understand it. It's to the Otani fund. None of this matters if they get Otani in the offseason, of course. But I'm just looking <laughs> at the Mariners and I'm like, what are you doing? Because if you're going for Otani and that's actually your play that you were thinking of making or you're going to go after a big free agent this offseason, they need a corner outfielder. Hello, Juan Soto. If you're going to make a big play this <laughs> offseason for a free agent, then sell. Like, sell like your life depends on it. Don't just don't just go into it and say, yeah, you know what? We're going to move Paul Seawald, but yeah, Teoscar, we're probably not going to re-sign him, but, you know, we're just going to make the trade or, or not make the trade. And I also wonder, we heard about the Jays being the team that were um, kind of the front runners there. I also wonder if it was optics, partly, that the Mariners didn't want to trade Teoscar back to the Jays and not even be able to get Adam Mako back because Adam Mako, the prospect that they gave up to get Hernandez along with Eric Swanson, who's playing a big role in the Jays' bullpen this year and hell, the Mariners could certainly use him Oh, yeah. They would not get even Mako back. Like, they wouldn't They wouldn't be able to do Hernandez for Mako one for one, so I, I wonder if it was partly because of the optics. Like, if it was just, yeah, you know what? We don't want to look like we acquired a guy and then gave up more to just get to get back less right just you don't want to look like you're the team that sold uh bought high and sold low it's not what you want to do so i i I wonder if it was partly optics but still um looking at the mariners i was just like that was a pretty underwhelming deadline i would give i would i would put them in the loser category of the trade deadline doesn't that sound like the Jim Benning era Canucks? Like, oh my god, <laughs> one foot in, one foot out. You're just fully do- committing to nothing. You're like, oh, we'll be, we'll, we'll see where the season takes us. We live in a day by day world. Like, dude, realistically, those four teams that you named, the Mariners aren't going to catch them. Not this season. Like, they don't have the firepower. They don't have the arms. Um, this team, this team isn't ready to play limelight. Like, we we've seen them be able to beat like good teams. But they haven't done it consistently enough where you can be like, ah, down the stretch run, th- this is going to be a team to watch for. The Mariners love dick punching their fans. And I guess the only good thing is that they're sparing you from that suffering by like abs- doing absolutely jack shit. Because you're, you're going to expect that they're going to implode. And I, I just don't... It, it's it's dumb. Like, you, you want this team to have a direction. Like, if you're going to buy you should you should buy like if you want to make it a competitive season like all the teams around you are loading up so you should feel the urge you should be you you should 
have the urge to try and add to your team to try and keep up with everybody else around you. But at the same time, if you're going to sell, if you just want to go for Shohei Otani, Juan Soto, any of the big name free agents, um, you really just you need all the money that you can get. And this was not enough. They didn't did do nearly enough to clear like the clear enough money for the Shohei Otani fund. Like realistically, they needed a couple bigger contracts to come off the books as well. Not saying that they should have moved them, but it, it it's just the, there's no discernible logic. And no commitment, and I think both of both of that, both those combinations are really frustrating. And on the Teoscar Hernandez point, like, dude, <laughs> imagine trading him back to the Jays for less than you originally got him for. Holy shit! I I think that the GM would uh, that the GM would get fired for for that shit, and they them coming up empty in the free agent window. Like, doesn't make sense. Yes, absolutely. It, yeah, like I said, it, it is bad, bad optics. Okay, um, which direction you want to go here? We've talked about Verlander. The Orioles' big move is to go get Jack Flaherty. Um, okay, well, no, no, no. Biggest Orioles move, they got Shintaro Fujinami, <laughs> ace closer <laughs> from the Oakland Athletics. Dude, <laughs> I I really respect your love for Fuji, but I, I don't know if you've looked so at his bad. numbers. He has been it's getting so absolutely bad. rocked, and it is tough because <laughs> you know what? Like, like I, I, I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. But toward the end of his tenure in Oakland, I don't know how many athletics games you watched, but he was striking guys out, and there were guys coming back to the dugout, shaking their head and being like, "That is a legit fastball. Like this guy, this guy is very, very hard to hit." He's always had the control problems. We've talked about his injury history back to his time in Japan. We've discussed all that before, so let's not rehash it. But he just looks like a guy with all the tools, and he just can't put it together. And it's really tough. It's really tough because Fuji was starting to really put it together. In Oakland, it looked like, toward the end. So I'm hopeful, man. I'm hopeful he can figure it out. But yeah, his 8.8 ERA is not looking too hot right now. Give him a little bit of time. Um, his He's... His uh, strikeouts per nine have up, have ticked up to twelve point eight. Like uh, he's pitched better with Baltimore, but like again, same issues as before. Uh, his WHIP's dropped down to one point one. Um, he's looking at a four point two, four point two six ERA in five games, six innings of work. Uh, obviously, it's probably gonna just be like a random tool that the Orioles are gonna keep around. But who knows? Maybe he becomes. But let's focus on like their actual big acquisition here. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's a long term guy, right? Like it's not like they're you know yeah, it's not like they're looking. At, well, I'm sure they would have liked him to be better than he has been. Um, I'm, I don't think they make that trade if they um if they don't see him being so dominant toward the end of his time in Oakland. I don't know about so dominant, but you were starting to see everything kind of get put together. So it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But the Orioles go get Jack Flaherty. They finally have their guy who I think is the number one starter in their rotation. I think when you looked at the Baltimore rotation, you saw a bunch of guys who have been doing pretty well, but a bunch of guys who are about to all clear their career high in innings pitch. (laughs) And going into the playoffs, not really having one guy who you say, yeah, that's our guy. That That's our starter. Like, that, that's our guy in game one of the playoffs. He's going to go get us that win. That is our ace. They go get Jack Flaherty. They address it to some extent. Um, I like that pickup for the Orioles. I would have liked to see them swing higher, but what can you do? Have you considered that, like, the Orioles pitching staff have been 
pitching well above their abilities, and this team is just rolling with it. Uh, adding Flaherty, like, yeah, sure, it would have been nice to see them pick up Giolito, a Giolito or, a, or anybody else, like a higher-end arm. But realistically, how much could you give up as well? Um, it, I think it's a good trade. I think that the Orioles are setting themselves up well because if any of them falter, they can always just throw in someone else and be like, hey, hey we're, in, we're in for a good ride. And I, I just find it really funny that when, when the Jays' playoff window opened... Uh, the Orioles were a 115 lost team, and now here we are. The Orioles are about to like are in position to win the division. That's fucking absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is, and and the Jays didn't really load up, right? Like Paul DeYoung, no, they did. Um, <laughs> the Jays also adding? should have done more, right? Like they should have done more. They added to their shortstop depth, and with Bo Bichette, like like you thought when you saw that trade, I, at least I thought. Was oh Bobuchet's out for a while. This is going to be a downgrade, but they go get DeYoung. I don't know. Is that an upgrade anywhere? Because they were saying oh he can play any position. Okay, well, like who, who is so, he replacing? Does he play any of them well? Better than like who is he? Who is no. he doing better than? And I get they they got him partly to help against left-handed hitting, like I or left-handed pitching. Excuse me. I understand that, but I don't know, man. I I don't know if I'm excited about the DeYoung pickup for the Jays. No, uh, no, before so, we move no. away from the Orioles, I quickly want to get this in. John Means, mm-hmm. who had Tommy John surgery in April, is nearing a rehab assignment. Have you seen this? Oh. Like, he's he's getting wait close. what? Yeah, he. Um, when did he have surgery? He got surgery in April, and he's hoping to be back by early September. No wait, that's absurd. What? It it doesn't that's make sense. Five, five months between going under the knife. Yeah, and, and project the return. Date. There was so much That's talk. That's fucked. Of, yeah, like he he resumed throwing in June. Okay, like okay. He, res, he resumed throwing in June through a bullpen session in the middle of July, and now he's nearing a rehab assignment and hopes to be an option in September. I want to quickly huh? make sure that we get this out there that everybody's talking about. Oh, Bryce Harper. That's the fastest recovery from Tommy John surgery ever. Took him what seven, eight months, I think. But yeah, with it, they said okay. You're going to DH and you're going to play first base. You are not going to throw the baseball. John Means' job is to pitch the baseball. This would be the <laughs> fastest return from Tommy John surgery, I think, in the history of the surgery. And also, by a pitcher, by a mile. Like, I don't think a pitcher's ever returned in under 12 months. So, no. Like, most most people don't return within a year. And, like, Harper was a big exception there. And... Even then, he had so many caveat, uh, caveats to returning to play. Yeah, uh, I... You're, you're asking a pitcher to play... This is... You're not just having the re- the full rehabilitation time. You are legit... Like, normally it takes a year. You are going under under half a year to have him come back pitching the baseball. What the fuck? <laughs> it's absurd. Like... oh, It's absurd. That scares I, me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's actually gonna make it back. That's that's insane. Uh, I it's just yeah. I don't know. Like, that's that'd be crazy to see John Means make it back in time for the postseason. That would be a huge boost to the Orioles, right? So we'll see it. Absolutely. I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. If a guy can return from TJ that fast, but <laughs> that was one move for the Orioles. I just wanted to make sure that we talk about. Okay, do you want to talk about Jays anymore? Do you have any more Jays stuff you want to get to? I mean, do you want to talk about Hicks and his like? Really good, really good fast stuff, but really 
not that effective as a relief pitcher. <laughs> I guess. I, yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't know what uh, I don't know what else to say besides that because like yeah he has good stuff but like has he been that effective as a bullpen arm? Can can Pete Walker turn him around? Like <laughs> I think that's what every Jays fan's thinking, right? Can Pete Walker just make this guy a really solid reliever? Uh, besides that, I honestly I couldn't tell you. Like I I don't know what to make of this deadline for the Jays. Like y- you have a check going down, and I get like it's it's hard. You're not exactly going to be able to. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to replace like your your stud at, at shortstop. That's just not possible. But um, it just it doesn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I I don't see this as a good deadline for the Jays. That that's pretty much it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yep, that's fair. Uh, what did you think of the Marlins? I, I thought the Marlins had a really nice deadline, honestly. Uh... I like. I feel like they're very. This is not like Marlins teams of years past. Normally, you just see them sell them for pennies on the dollar because the the fucking Marlins they're fucking cheap. They don't like they don't like talent sticking around for the long haul. Um, I, I these are very shrewd moves that they've made, and they're. I think they're adding in positions that that they need, and it, they're all players with like potentials to um to contribute pretty well in their lineup and i i just i think these are very just underrated smart moves and we'll see how far it takes them but i'm liking the direction that they're taking yeah absolutely absolutely like you here's the thing right is when we look at the nl the nl playoff race there's like what nine ten teams that are like right there in the mix and four of those teams aren't going to make the playoffs. Like, out of the Cincinnati Reds, San Francisco Giants, Philadelphia Phillies, Milwaukee Brewers, Arizona Diamondbacks, Miami Marlins, Chicago Cubs, and San Diego Padres, three of those teams are going to make the playoffs. Maybe four. Maybe four. Yes, four of those are going to make the playoffs. Which means four of them aren't. So, 
You see the Marlins making moves. They're a game out. The Diamondbacks are also a game out. Like, who doesn't make the playoffs out of this group? They're all good teams. I don't want to say it's the Reds because I'm, I'm I'm fully on board with the Ellie Hype train. <laughs> but the Brewers are a half a game back of the Reds for the for the first place in the NL Central. And we talked about the Reds in terms of, yeah, maybe they're players for Verlander. Maybe they're players for, uh, you know, adding a starting pitcher at the deadline. And the Reds didn't really do anything. Like, the Reds didn't really do anything to get better at this deadline. Uh, they kind of stood... I I actually don't hate it, that the fact that they aren't adding... I thought they would move Jonathan India out just because he's become replaceable. That's so absurd. Have you considered the fact... Have you considered, this, like, just the fact that I'm saying that Jonathan India has become replaceable for the Cincinnati Reds. That just feels absurd considering where they were a year ago, two years ago. Um, if anything, I would have expected him to be moved, but I, I don't hate it. Um, the Reds are a young team, and I honestly, even if they don't make it this year, they still have a great future. I wouldn't I wouldn't fuck with anything that um that isn't broken. And clearly they're on they're clearly doing all right for themselves. So I just see where it takes them, and then I just evaluate from where to go after the season ends, whether that's a postseason appearance, whether that's uh, missing on the postseason entirely. Um, it, it, it'd be good to just figure out where this team stands, and I, I don't think that they were particularly in in a pressure, pressure like in a pressure area, they weren't pressured to make a move at the deadline to add or sell or add particularly. I just think that this team, they want to see how far it can go and then figure out what they need to add to it to make it even better. But that's assuming ownership wants a pony up. Okay. Trivia for you. Who's played for more teams? Edwin Jackson or Rich Hill? Rich Hill, by the way, who traded. Was the sec- who was the second one? Rich Hill. Rich Hill has been traded to the San Diego Padres. Padres season okay. is absolutely saved. And they also get G-Man Choi. But... <laughs> Rich Hill or Edwin Jackson, who has played for more teams? Are we counting second? Are we counting second stints with teams, or uh, just no. like one stint? We're counting only how many teams they have played for, how many big league organizations okay. they've played for. So I know Rich Hill's played for like fourteen different teams or something like that. So hold on. Edwin Jackson. Uh, I think Jackson. I think he has like I, I think he has at least fifteen teams played for. I think I think you're uh, right. I think Rich is that am I right? Yeah, I think this is Rich Hill's thirteenth team and that this is Edwin Jack Edwin Jackson played for fifteen or fourteen. <laughs> what the I mean, you know what? Props to them, they're staying in the show. Like God damn, they're both very, they're both still effective, but oh, I can't imagine moving that many times, like yeah. <laughs> within if, within a lifetime. Like what the hell? Yeah. So all of you out there doing your immaculate grids, remember Rich Hill, Edwin Jackson is almost the free space. Although there is some overlap there that you have to uh, make sure that you avoid. Okay. Uh, there was anything a, else? There was a, sorry, there was a team combination. I remember reading that uh, that a player has not played for. So it was like. The Twins, um, the Marlins, and there was one other team. I don't remember what it was. It's going to bug me for the rest of the day, so I'm going to have to look it up. But there is a team combination that doesn't exist, a, a three-team combination that doesn't exist. So we are still off 
from the Immaculate Grid because there is a combination that involves the twins and Marlins that doesn't exist. Interesting. Okay. Well, I appreciate you pulling that one out of your uh, out of your keister there. That, that was a good one to pull out. <laughs> um, one thing I want to talk about quickly: Scott Barlow goes from the Royals to the Padres. The Padres are loading up. Like I said, Rich Hill <laughs> loading up. I like the pickup of Scott Barlow because the Padres have started to lose a lot of games because of their bullpen. So having an extra bullpen arm not named Josh Hader is very valuable to that team. So I I, I like that pickup for the Padres. They're not rewarding their team not being able to win, but they are looking at it and saying, okay, maybe you can win some games if you just have a little bit of bullpen help. And I know that's simplifying the Padres' problems quite a bit because there has been a lot plaguing this team this year. But lately, the bats have been going. And the bullpen has not. So, a little bullpen help for the San Diego Padres. Lance Lynn. Are we going to talk about the White Sox? Like, we are, right? We're going to talk about the White Sox. We have. Oh, yeah. We'll close it out on White Sox talk. Um, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly go back to the Dodgers. uh, The White Sox giving up, or excuse me, the Dodgers giving up Trace Thompson, Jordan Leisure, and Nick Nastrini. I like that pickup for the Dodgers, but more more importantly, the White Sox, man. Like, that is so sad what's become of the White Sox, right? Like, not only did remember I pick them. Remember how they were them, contenders? I do remember that. And, and with young talent that they thought was going to, like, Juan Moncada, right? Eloy Jimenez, uh, Lou Bob. Lou, Lou Bob is the only guy who's not t- un- who's untouchable right now in Chicago, apparently. But these guys that they really believed in so much so that they go get Liam Hendricks and they pay big for Liam Hendricks because they really liked Liam Hendricks and wanted that star closer for their team. What direction are the White Sox going? Like, 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 are they also in that mushy middle where they can't really rebuild, but they? You know, like, like I don't, I don't know where the White Sox go from here. I, I don't know either because this is again. Remember, they made what they made the, uh, they made the championship series earlier, right? Like back in twenty twenty one or something like that. I, I don't, I genuinely like. I feel like it was recent, but at the same time, it was so long ago. Because holy fuck, this team struggled, and the moves that they're making, I, I, I don't see. I, I don't feel like there's anything inherently wrong with with what they're doing, but it just feels so underwhelming, and it feels like such it feels like such a gut blow to see this happen because you're just like fuck. Wasn't this team supposed to be really good uh, and like position themselves well? Like they were supposed to have a window, a success for like the past three years, but they had one good year, and now they're selling off all their pieces. Like what? Like as a, if you're a White Sox fan, what what must you be thinking, right? That's the thing is you don't know what direction they're going. Like, yeah, they made it clear that they're keeping Luis Robert, which, yeah, like Lou Bob's a good player. That's a good player that you can kind of build around. So I like that. I I like that they're keeping Lou Bob. But what are you building? Like, like what is bro cooking, right? Like, that's what it comes down to. We don't know. (laughs) Like, we we don't know. And I'm curious to watch. I like the White Sox. I like rooting for Liam Hendricks. Like, I'm a White Sox fan basically because of the Southside City Connect jersey. And Liam Hendricks, so yeah, I'd like to see them do well, but I don't know, I don't know. And there was also reports that like they they told people they weren't moving Dylan Cease, which okay, but what are you yeah, doing? Like like what? like what are you doing before Dylan Cease becomes a free agent in two years, right? Like like what is your plan? Because you need to have one. 
you know, all, I mean, we've seen teams go further without having plans, so who who the fuck knows? Yeah, I guess. Um, okay, the Rangers. The, I, I like the Rangers pickup. You know, Jordan Montgomery, we talked about Max Scherzer. I'll close it out with this thought for you, Mike. Who wins the AL West? Because we've done picks, and I'm giving you a chance to mm-hmm. move off of it. Because I think, who did we pick? Like, <laughs> I didn't pick the Mariners. You picked the Angels to win the AL West. Yes. And they go get Lucas Giolito. Yes, they go get Lucas Giolito and some bullpen help and Reynaldo Lopez. Love that pickup, especially Giolito. I love it that they didn't move on from Shohei. They were like, no, we're not stuck. We're actually going to make a push for the playoffs. Um, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Or, excuse me, I don't think they're going to go far in the playoffs, even if they make it. But CJ Krohn, Randall Grichuk from your Rockies. (laughs) What do you make of the Angels' deadline as a whole? And is it really enough to compete with the Rangers and the Astros for first in the AL West? (laughs) What do you want me to say? Like, I, I I, don't think that this is nearly enough. And that's fucking absurd to say because you have the two best players in baseball. Mike Trout, and like, yeah, Mike Trout's hurt, but you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, two best players in baseball. And yet, and yet, you look at this team and you're like, there's no fucking way that this team is going to be better than the Houston Astros or the Texas Rangers. Like, oh my God. Like, sure, they have... Those players are good. They've made this... They're going to make the Angels better. But are they going to make them better than the Texas Rangers and Houston Astros? No fucking way. There's just no chance that that's happened. I'm not going to move off from the pick, though. Purely because I'm stubborn and I want to see how far this takes me. But, fuck. I, I, I think the Angels should have sold. And they didn't sell at all. Like, buyers and sellers don't fucking exist, apparently, to the to Artie Moreno. Because, fuck it. We're just going to go for it and hopefully show every signs with us. And I'll tell you what, like the series coming up starting this week, it's starting this week. It starts on Thursday. It's a four game series. Mariners, Angels, four game set. That will either end the Mariners season or it will make the Angels look at their season and go, holy shit, we're in trouble. Like there's no (laughs) in between. This is going to be like... Right now, Mariners are three and a half games back of the Blue Jays for the final wildcard spot in the American League. The Angels are three games back. The Yankees and Red Sox are also in the mix there. The Mariners are playing the Red Sox as we speak. They start at noon today. Uh, Logan Gilbert on the mound. Hopefully, the Mariners can come away with a series win there. They let one get away from them last night. And You know what? I, I, gotta, I gotta be honest. I've never, ever been one to call for anybody's job or be like oh this manager really sucks but scott services relentless will to keep bryce miller and brian Wu, two very young starters who probably wouldn't even be in the big leagues if not for the injury injuries to the mariners rotation his willingness to keep those guys in games just a little bit too long is really hurting this team. Like, like I don't know if you watched the Mariners game last night, but Bryce Miller's fastball is his best pitch, and it took a noticeable dip in velocity in the fifth inning, and that's where he started to get tagged. was like the fourth, fifth inning he started to get tagged. They keep him in, and he starts to get hurt again. He, he gets hit bad in the fifth inning. Two-run bomb to Alex Verdugo, which put the Red Sox ahead. Eugene, Eugenio Suarez comes in, ties the game up, and puts the Mariners in a good position where they have a chance to come back. Excuse me, not ties the game up. Brought them within one going into the sixth inning. And mm-hmm. then Reese McGuire hits a homer, and then all of a sudden, this game, 
I said within one. Within two. I have to remember this game. It took me a while. I tried to erase from my memory too well. Um, <laughs> Reese McGuire comes in. Jack's one over the fence. And he's up. And the Red Sox are winning 6-3. to three, And they the Mariners just can't come back. And it's just frustrating because if you just pulled Miller early, you'd be in a position... Like, there's no reason for your starting pitcher to give up six earned runs when he's clearly showing signs of fatigue... After the fifth inning, and Bryce Miller's been dealing with a blister issue. Is that is that hurting him? Because this is two games in a row now where Bryce Miller's given up six earned runs. That just can't happen. That cannot happen. You can't keep putting these guys out there, these young kids, and just saying, yeah, they'll go figure it out when they're clearly laboring. They're clearly struggling out there. You need to pull the trigger. You need to make a move to the bullpen much earlier than the Mariners have been lately. And it's costing them ball games. It's costing them ball games, and it pisses me off. <laughs> Show me on this doll where is it, where service hurt you. <laughs> Everywhere, man. Everywhere. I just Everywhere. I, I I'm starting to yeah. I'm just like I don't know. I'm getting more on Mariners Twitter lately. Like I'm looking at Mariners Twitter, and a lot of people on Mariners Twitter really don't like Scott Service. And you just you can't justify that. You can't justify no. your guy who's a fastball first pitcher and relies on his fastball blowing it past guys who's lost three to four miles per hour on his velocity by the fifth inning, you cannot keep him out there. You just can't. And I'm, this isn't a knock on Bryce Miller. He's a young pitcher who I believe in. I've talked about Bryce Miller a lot before. But you cannot keep that guy out there when he's clearly, I don't even want to say dealing with something, but clearly not getting that zip on the fastball that is instrumental to his success. You cannot keep putting him out there, but they did it and they got burned for it. This is where, again, you hope that this doesn't cause long-term damage for Bryce Miller or any young pitcher to get basically left left to your own devices struggling, and then you get absolutely demolished, and then you start getting away from things that make you successful. Like, that, the psychological damage that it could create, like, I'm not saying that it has, but the potential for it happening is pretty shit, and you don't want it to see it happen because... Hopefully Bryce Miller is a big part of the Mariners' rotation in the future, right? You don't want him getting becoming damaged goods just off the backs of a manager leaving him in for too long. And uh, I, I think it's just something you have to be aware of with the young pitchers is that they're coming into the league, they're trying to figure things out, and if you have to figure out the wrong things, then you're kind of fucking them over. Uh, you're fucking them, you're fucking the team over for the, for the long run. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, yeah, man, it, it's frustrating, right? Like, it's just frustrating <laughs> to watch, so... Anyways, um, the Mariners play today. I'm excited to watch that game, believe it or not. We'll see how it uh, how it goes. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm done. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else from the trade that you want to talk about? <laughs> pretty much nothing else from me as well. I feel like I got to everything I needed to talk about. Yeah, and hey, it's going oh to be Wait, a really... On. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I'm just, I just saw the score. Um, the, the Braves are comp- right now demolishing the Angels 9-4 to in the bottom of the six. So. Yeah, but what did you expect? Uh, also, that game was 9-1. to I just want to point out it was 9-1, to and that Hunter Renfro is uh, starting to put the team on his back. Um, Hunter Renfro, Eduardo <laughs> Escobar, bringing that team back into relevancy uh, in this game. Because it was it was 9-1 to earlier, so hey, 9-4 to is an improvement. Five runs to go. Yeah, five runs to go. go. Shohei, figure it out. Also... How, how much do you think the Angels front office was holding their breath when they saw Shohei grab his back and, like, after he oh, literally fuck. carried the team on his back, throws a complete game shutout, then hits two 
bombs in the game after in a double header and then he's holding onto his back and it's like yeah you know what Shohei your back probably does hurt right now thankfully <laughs> he avoided the injured list avoided anything serious it looks like just uh, just a cramp is I think what they said but how yeah. much do you think the Angels front office was like oh no this there goes there goes all of our season yeah well I mean that, that I feel like that's at any point with Shohei it's like as soon as he comes up grabbing anything you're just like holy shit holy shit holy shit is he okay are, yeah. are, are we fucked? Uh, but like, no, that. <laughs> Sorry, it's like I'm. I'm think I'm remembering. I'm remembering the Twitter discourse around that. It was so funny because it's, it's so true. He is the team. He's carrying them on his back. He is Atlas carrying the world right now for the Angels. And um, if anything happens to him, they're fucked. And the front office needs to lose their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, anyways, I think it's going to be a nice little uh, final trek down the uh, down the final stretch of the season here. We'll have an episode on Friday. And on Friday, like it's funny that we're saying this, but on Friday, we'll have an even better kind of look at... You know what it what what the what the playoff picture really looks like by Friday. So we'll have an episode Friday morning. It'll be a good one, I'm sure. Uh, this was a good one, Mike. So thanks for coming on. Thanks to all the listeners. Like I told you, Mike, our listener base is starting to grow. We're starting to get some more Let's regular go. listeners. So if you're a regular listener, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Set up auto downloads because that's how we kind of measure everything. So set up auto downloads. Uh, your support is much appreciated. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We don't have a review yet. So uh, leave us a review on Apple's Apple Podcasts. For my co-host, Mike Liu, my name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for tuning in to the batter's box. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.